Hello, I'd like to welcome back to We Go Again podcast. It's Kristen Smith sitting here in uh, Gainsborough again. And sat here in West London, it's me, Rob Overfield, and uh, I think we've got quite a bit to talk about this week, wouldn't you say, James? Uh, yeah, hi, uh, James Barker here in Berkshire, and um, a little bit upset because I, uh, I voted to curtail the podcast, but I was outvoted, so <laughs> yes, uh, we go again. <laughs> yeah, we went PPD, James. <laughs> What's that podcast for, uh, I don't know what the G would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, geez, where do we start? What are we going to start with? I mean, my God, I don't think we've ever, ever had so little football and yet so much to talk about. Mm, mm. <laughs> but it's, to me, it's not even so much to talk about. It's so much that it just doesn't, it's really hard to work out. I think I saw on one of the um, tweets that you put that someone said this is, some of the nego- some of the negotiations between League One, League Two, National League has been must have been worse than Brexit. Mm. <laughs> I and couldn't believe it. I, I think we obviously need to talk about the fact that if you're not in the top two divisions in England, you will not be um, playing unless you because um, aren't they doing the playoffs still? They are yes. Mm. Yes. League One and League Two are still doing the playoffs. What what sense does that make? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I can only imagine it's contractual. There must be it must be a case of the you know same as the the Championship have to promote up to the Premier League and accept relegated teams. I'm guessing it filters all the way down. And uh, you know it, they, there's even talk. I think isn't there now? Um, I think I point out WhatsApp group a, a tweet from Ollie Bayliss, Um for the for the national league to promote their mm-hmm. top two, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a whole it is a whole mess, and there are tangents galore we can go off here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I suppose if you're gonna if you if you're gonna stick to promoting three, you've got you've got to do the playoffs. You can't. I don't think you could at this stage say right, there's no playoffs and the top three just go up. I think that would but be. But they just said there's no season and. Well, yeah. I mean, so what? What do you think they should have? Do you think they should have null and voided like they have um, <coughs> National League and down? Do you think? No, do you think, no. They, well, 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 to me, they well, should have said whoever's in third place goes up. Well, actually, what they've done is just basically said the rest of the games are just not going to take place. So what's happened stands, but there's good, but there's no future league games. That's it. They've not actually cans. They've not actually basically said there's no league campaign. Nothing happened. They're just basically saying from this date, those leagues never exist. Those games never even happened, and just left it the way it is. So technically, they happened, but it's it's just the whole points per game scenario is just gonna. It's creating more hassle than what anything else could have done, and yet look at the debate it started. It's got everybody back, you know, wanting football again, and this debate, although it's all for the wrong reasons is bringing the interest back and getting everybody going again. It, I mean, it, it is, it, it's a tough, we've said it all along, haven't we, since this whole thing's been going on, that you wouldn't, you're never going to be able to please everybody. Um, you, you'd be lucky if you can please three quarters of people with, mm. with whatever mm. decision you make. Um, I mean, you, you've, even the points per game got complicated, didn't it? Because you had mm. unweighted and weighted and, it's it's very it is very arbitrary um and if you've all played the same amount of games then it doesn't matter you no. don't you don't move up or down the table if you do an unweighted 
Um, obviously, if you do weighted, then it does have an have an impact. But in League One, you know, we've we've seen Wickham Wanderers who were on an awful run of form before they started. They dropped out of the definitely the playoffs, maybe even the automatic spots, down to eighth. Um, and yet, because they've played two games fewer than everybody else, points per game has now propelled them up to third, which is ridiculous. And Peterborough, who were, I think they'd, I've heard a lot from Dara McAntony, I think everybody else, <laughs> anybody who switches out and anything remotely sport-related will have heard from Dara McAntony over the last few uh, few weeks. Um, but he speaks brilliantly about it, and to be fair, he's been very gracious in accepting that it is what it is. Um, but they, I think he said they'd won seven out of their last nine Um I think someone else said that Wickham had taken, out of the last eight games, Wickham had taken something like one and a half points per game. And I, I think Peterborough were on about two and a half points per game, just under. Um, and for Peterborough to miss out because they've played two games more, it, it's it's just ridiculous. Mm. And again, going back to the points per game, when Wickham played two games less and they've got rewarded for that, but mm. they haven't played the same amount of home games as away games. Um I think Barry Fry, who I heard from today as well, he was saying um, there, there are clubs that have got like maybe just three home games left and six away, and yet their points per game have boosted them right up. And you know Peterborough had one of the best home records, and I think they had six left at home and three or four away. And you know, but you know, home advantage just behind closed doors, as we can tell from Germany isn't really counting for a lot at the minute but no you can understand when you were so strong at home and you were in such mm. good form I mean I to be honest if they had a carried on the season I think Peterborough would have probably got automatic they were in that good form mm. um mm. so you know you, you do kind of feel sorry for them and the fact that they, they've they've admitted now they're going to have to sell their star player Ivan Tony because they promised him in January that if they didn't get promoted they would sell him and now they're going to have to, and they're not going to get the money that they would have got, obviously, because the market's going to collapse. Well, unless, you, <clears> unless you're Chelsea, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> well, you're yeah. going to pay anything for anybody just to uh, show that you yeah. can. Do you know how, how lucky are Chelsea? I mean, the, tra- the whole, I mean, and, and it's because of their own wrongdoing. You, they get the yeah. transfer ban, which means that they had this amazing crop of young players come through. They had a, a club legend who had had a good season in his first season in management that they could bring in a, as manager who will play these kids, who will unite the fan base, who will immediately decrease expectation because he is a novice and he's playing loads of kids. And on top of that, they haven't spent any money for two transfer windows, so they've got a hell of a load of money to spend. And mm. they're gonna, they are now, I think, next season going to be a massive massive player in the um in the title race it is definitely for me going to be a three-horse race next season i mean for chelsea as you've quite rightly said the whole situation has in a perverse kind of way worked in their favor you know and just how perverse is this that when all the rest of the clubs in football you know are going to be struggling you know the markets you know transfer market's going to drop you know players are going to have to you know start thinking about what they can ask what they want because they know if they over they ask for too much then the you know clubs will just say sorry we haven't got it thank you but no thanks you know he's going to be able to say well okay if that you know yeah we can do it and yeah you know, I mean, it's, just, it's just going back to the um late 2000s early, yeah early 2010. Uh, yeah 
I mean, yeah. I don't think I don't think the Tim O'Verner deal's gone through yet, has it? But it looks no, it, hasn't. it looks like it, it's going to do because you know Jurgen Klopp, to be fair, and I, you know we, <laughs> I said there was loads of tangents, didn't it? We started in League One and we're already on. Liverpool I did. Want, I, did I just meant <laughs> it as a little bit of a more flippant comment because yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's you let's forget about the Premier League for the moment. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, let's, let's go back, back to the confusion yeah. and the anguish. And just, there is a happy note. I mean. Coventry, for the first time in over 50 years, have finished in the top five of the division, which is, you know, it's <laughs> great for them. And, you know, they've won the league. They're going to be back up into the championship. It's always great to see a club that's that's fallen on the hard times. However, that may have come about, be it just, you know, the geographical location means you don't pull in the crowds and the money or it's mismanagement and terrible ownership, as it is in this case. You know, it's mm. always good to see a famous old club. Coming, and they'll have some nice... Okay. Uh, They'll have, if if assuming uh, next season they stay at St Andrews, they'll have some nice uh, home and aways <laughs> against uh, the landlords. Yes, yes. But in but in some respects, the promotion will paper over some of the cracks at Coventry. Oh, yeah, of course. And that's going to be not good. Not that's the thing that's not to Coventry's benefit, because now it's going to be a case of the mismanagement at, the, at boardroom level is. To a small extent, just going to get the people are just going to look the other way because we're back in the championship. We're where we belong, and I mean, yet even more now so than ever, the situation you know within Coventry City FC has to be sorted out, and this you know won't help. I I'd be very surprised if um, if they weren't in the bottom three again next season because. I just, you know, to be honest, I, who was it? Rotherham finished second, wasn't it? Rother, it's Rotherham that've gone up with Coventry, isn't it? I think they'll yeah, they'll does. they'll go straight back down again. I think. And to be honest, none of the playoff teams scare me that much as a Huddersfield fan. I mean, the one that probably best equipped to um, to stay up would probably be Portsmouth, I guess, just on size and potential yeah, budget. Yeah, um, true. The, the, I could I could see the three promoter clubs being the three going back down again, or very very <laughs> very very close to it. Um, because I just I, I just I don't I don't see them being able to strengthen enough to do, unless they dip into these fourteen hundred players that are out of contract at the end of the season and and strengthen that way. I know it's really weird going forward. No, I, know. I know in terms of the championship. Um, I know you said about it's likely that the three promoted teams will be the ones to come back down. I'm sorry, Jim, but from where I sit, I could throw four, at least a couple of extra clubs. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, the, I mean, yeah, if, and if I think somehow managed, very... yeah, I mean, if Hull managed to, Hull, Charlton, any of these clubs managed to, whoever out of the, the I'll, I'll, yeah, and I'll throw Huddersfield in there, I guess, because we're down there at the minute, but anyone... And Stoke, because... Yeah, and Wigan and... Yeah, you know, there are going to be there are going to be six or there always are, aren't there? Always six or seven clubs. But you look at the clubs coming down. I mean, Norwich is so well run that I would expect them to just steam through the division. Mm. Um, yeah. Bournemouth brilliantly run. Um, who else is down there at the minute? Uh, Villa. You know, I I can't see anyone doing a double drop. Um, so it, no, no, it, it's it's going to be tough for those clubs that are coming up because I don't think there's a club coming down from the Premier League that are that are likely to go through the trapdoor so you know yeah i mean i wouldn't expect huddersfield to be in a relegation battle next season i mean mid-table mediocrity i'm crying out for that i would love <laughs> that 
Um, but yeah, Wigan, Charlton, Hull, whoever stay up out of that lot, I think would be in massive trouble as well. Um, mm, mm. It, it's just it's it's just so murky going forward, isn't it? I mean, mm. we don't know when the transfer window is going to be yet. They're talking about I think September and October, something like that. Which why does it need to be two months? It just it doesn't need to be, does it? That because you can you can unify the whole of Europe. You can say right, you've all got this this period and then you all start playing the day after the transfer window shuts so you could just do it the middle whenever the champions league ends sometime in middle late august mm. and you know and just say right there are three or four weeks or and it i don't know it's complicated it is mm. you, can, you can unify everybody everybody can start on the same day of the season and hopefully have the, have the transfer window shut before it does start because because you can't have the transfer window open for the month of October if you've if you've already started playing four or five weeks before no. that. Oh God, no, 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 no! It's ridiculous. Well, it and there, there aren't going to be any massive deals. Neymar's not going to go anywhere. Mbappe's not going anywhere. Pogba's no. not going anywhere. None of these massive, complicated deals are going to happen this month, uh, this year. It ain't going to happen. So you don't need a long transfer window. It, it's because you're just not going to get those. The only thing you might get, you're going to get swap deals and, and things like that. You just yeah. not huge money deals. The Chelsea, the the money they spent on Hakim Ziyech and Timo Werner, they're probably going to be the two biggest deals in in the in the in Europe. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's just not going to be the money there just to make anything work. It's you no. know, it's it's a, it's as simple as that. And you know, and once the transfer window opens, whereas usually it's the players that are controlling it, the clubs are now going to be able to do a lot of dictating what happens. Because you know, you know they, yeah, which you're right, it's no bad thing. Uh, players are going to be making demands, and clubs are going to be able to say, "That's too much. You're overvalued. Go somewhere. Try try again." And the players will have to really think about about their future. Do they want to sit, you know, for six months, missing out from the first transfer window and going looking for the second one, or do they be realistic about what clubs can pay? And which clubs can afford to pay, and make a deal accordingly. I hope we see the latter because then we'll get a bit more of a realistic transfer window than what we've had in you know recent years. I think there's a lot of players being paid too much without the ability to match. We see it in the Premier League all the time. You don't. I don't think you see it quite so much in the likes of La Liga, Serie A. Bundesliga either. You don't get players being played, paid more than they're, you know, more than they're able. It just seems to be a Premier League thing. And as soon as that gets wiped out, the better. Players should be paid what they're worth, not what their agents think they are. Yeah. Um, it's, it's... I mean, you, you, Tottenham took out a, a, was it, £175 million loan from yep. the Bank of England at half a percent interest just to keep the club afloat. So, to me, that's... And I think one of the stipulations is it can't be, or they've said it won't be used for player purchases, which to me suggests that they're not going to be selling and uh, they're not going to be buying anybody. No, no, um, might be selling. If you go go to one of the hundreds of clubs that I follow in Barcelona, mm-hmm. they apparently came out and asked the players to take another pay cut, um, which the players I think have rejected. Um, so they're not going to be. They, I mean, they, the talk is they're signing Lautaro Martinez from Inter Milan for what his release clause is around about 110 million euros, I think. Well, 
<laughs> where's, that, where's that money coming from if you're asking your players mm. to take another pay cut when you've already mm. taken 70% off them for the last couple of months? Mm. You know, that's not going to go down well with anyone, is it? So, I'd, yeah, the, the, the transfer market's just going to be non-existent this summer. So you might as well just say, right, we've got two weeks, registered players, and we'll get on with it, bring, bring on the next season, if mm. possible, which I guess... Isn't that why I saw? I thought I saw them saying that they were going to relax the financial fair play rules to to yeah. make sure that clubs such as Chelsea and Man City, who are, who are bankrolled by billionaires with questionable income sources, are able to carry on bankrolling them, so that they suddenly don't find, oh, we can't do anything now. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it keeps clubs afloat, however. I do, I, 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 but it doesn't keep a level level playing field for anybody. It, no, let's let's not. take let's take. I just want to quickly mention that because I've just noticed that nine games are out, well, that's left in the Premier League. Watford were miles adrift when Nigel Pearson took over. Mm. What mm-hmm. spirit does that guy bring to a team? Considering they're not in the relegation zone now. Yeah, I mean, they're it, not it, out, it, but. It he did similar with, um, Leicester. with Leicester, didn't he? When he first yeah. he, did. he did. did. He did. did. Was that in the Championship? And then he took them up. And I think, he, or was it in the Premier League? And he got them out. Of, I can't remember now. Was it the Premier League? Yeah. yeah. And they survived. And yeah, then, I mean, and next it, year they went off and, and won the Champions. I mean, it, it, it seems to be, un, you know, before he got this this job at Watford, he, he seemed to be to have been disregarded, didn't he? he seemed to be judged as a bit of a, a bit of a dinosaur, I think, quite unfairly. But if you if you listen to his players at Watford, I mean, they absolutely adore him. They, um, you know, they say he's absolutely fantastic, innovative. Um, he was, I think he was an assistant manager, wasn't he, somewhere before he got the job? I can't remember now. I think he, he hasn't been totally out of the coaching game. I think he's been an assistant um, since he left Leicester. Um, but, yeah, he's... No. Was he not? He was, no, he was sacked from Leicester in 2015. He went to Derby. Yes. And he was manager there. Okay. And then he went into went to Belgium. To Leuven. Yeah. Belgium yeah. to Leuven, the, the yeah. And then, Stella, yeah. And, and then, and then <laughs> Yes, James. <laughs> James, go to the fridge and get one. I've got um, one next to me. Well, I don't drink that crap. I hate it. I've got a nice one um, probably next to me. And then and then after he was sacked from there in February the last last year, he went to Watford. Okay. Um so that's pretty much what he's done since he was at Leicester. Um, yeah, you know, he's but you know exactly. I just don't know what what he does. Yeah, he, he probably he must. I mean, I don't. He, he wouldn't be able to go into a to a cosmopolitan dressing room like a Chelsea or a, a Man City. No. I don't, you know, Man City. I, I think he's um he's yeah he's he's in you know he's old school English up and mm. sort of player, he's wasn't good, he? He's a good Yorkshire lad, isn't he? So yeah, of course he. he, he but he'll he'll. The man management, I think, will be what screams mm. the loudest from him. I think he will he will just bring a team together, and it'll be a it'll be a family, won't it? It'll, they will yeah. die for each other, and and I think that I think that's a lot of it. And obviously, look, I'm, I don't want to be dis, you know I don't want to dis, um, mm. disrespect him. He clearly has the know-how and the tactical knowledge, but I think his overarching ability is mm. from listening to like Troy Deeney and players at Watford. It is the um, it's the man management. It's the team spirit that he instills in it. And if you, if you look, you can be the, you can be Pep Guardiola all you want, but if you can't make those players love and respect mm. you and love and respect each other, 
You've got no chance. Team management is 90% of it. I think most managers will mm. tell you that. And he's just having an abundance. When you look at his career stats, though, it's pretty much only been at Leicester where he has been consistently successful. Yeah, I think, I think which, which 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 is hard to understand. I mean, yeah, it wasn't at Southampton long, so it's, a, it's you know, abrasive, though, isn't it? You know, I think is. if, if, if if a fallout I mean, comes, I think it would be end up being a big rift pretty quickly. Yeah. So I think I he, mean, you know, it's Yorkshire. We we're a stubborn breed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, at, I mean, at Leicester. He, did, he had almost, you know, roughly 290 games at Leicester in two spells. And, you know, his win percentage is somewhere between 45 and 50%. You know, he, he, which, makes... Yeah, I mean, yes, he did have a spell at a certain, a certain other club in Yorkshire that didn't work. <laughs> You're not you know, Rob. Let it go. Uh, <laughs> you can argue that if you want, you know. But, um, but every other club he's been at for any length of time, it's never really worked for him. So why did it work at Leicester where it hasn't worked anywhere else? That is the puzzle of Nigel Pearson. Yeah, it's just the timing, isn't it? And look, yeah. we, we we talked off air and not once did we think we were talking about Nigel Pearson tonight. So let's go back to what I think. We've, we've spoken about League One. <laughs> let's go to League Two. Oh. This isn't mm. over. Uh, this is not over by a long this, shot. This is, well, let's say, let, let's, let's lie. Promotion is uh, over if you're Swindon Crew or Plymouth, you have been promoted. And then we've got the playoffs between Cheltenham, uh, Exeter, uh, Colchester and Northampton. So I think this is the first time ever that Swindon have won something. Yeah. Uh, Second yeah, playoffs when they, they won the playoffs, I think. So yeah, like, I think yeah, I think it was playoffs. Yeah, I think it was yeah, when you think about it. Yeah, first time they've won a league title, a divisional yeah. title. Um, but so, it's, it, it, they, it's they, another they, good, it's another good young English manager, isn't it? In Richie Wellens, that's done a done a cracking job there, and um, mm. uh, you know they've 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 played the loan market pretty well. Um, mm. They had a, a young centre back from from Huddersfield on loan, Romani Edmonds Green, who's just had an amazing season for them. And fully expect him to come back next season. Um, but he's not allowed to play for us, uh, even though his loan has ended. He's, he can't play for us in the remaining games, which understandable, obviously. Um, he's he's had a brilliant season for them, and I fully expect him to come back and and get some game time now and, and establish himself at, at Huddersfield. But yeah, it's 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 not the top end where the, where the problem is, is it? <laughs> um, it's oh my god! I, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's, Steve, it's Stevenage. Provision. Fan, fantastically run club that do everything right and operate within their budgets and pay people on time that have finished bottom fair and square on the pitch. Mm. Or it's Macclesfield who for, is it the sixth time this season, have failed to pay their players on time and have presumably, I mean, they're facing a points deduction. If it doesn't come in, it'll be a massive injustice. Um, because that is the penalty for not paying your players on time. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many points it is. Um, eleven is what they're looking at. Okay. Well, that's sorry, what sorry they've, already, they've already been deducted eleven points. Yeah, and that's I gather. Cases, I think, isn't yeah, it? it is multiple cases, and I gather that after the last time, they were put. Microsoft were put on a suspended sentence if it ever happened again. Right. Yeah. And if it, and if it's been proved. To have happened again, that suspended sentence will then kick in, and then that is going to create a hell of a lot of problems. It is, and I, I mean, it, you don't you don't want to see 
any any club punish like that, do you? But I mean, it's their own. It's of their own doing. Again, as we said countless times before, it's going to be the fans that suffer. There's going to be a lot of players there that I think they've already let ten players go or that are out mm. of contract, not renewing. I think it was ten. It was definitely in double figures. Um, I think they've only got a couple of players left on a contract. I think, um, and it's it's not not a club I could see coming back quickly if they ended up mm. in the national. League, I could see them dropping down again to be honest because mm. they're clearly struggling off the pitch for whatever reason yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not a Macclesfield fan I'm not anywhere near in uh, the loop on what's happening there um, mm. but yeah I mean mm. and then you've got a club like like Barrow and Harrogate that have you know that deserve a chance to come into the football league or back into the football league in Barrow's case and you know should they, they, they should be promoting one at least because obviously we're at 90, uh, 71 in the EFL. So Barrow mm. should be coming up to redress that balance. Um, so maybe, you know, hopefully Harrogate can come as well because Macclesfield mm. should really be getting relegated, providing the National League can give them a division to play in, apparently, according to Rick Parry. But... The Which big is where it issue. Gets a bit more convoluted again, isn't it? It does get convoluted again because when you throw in the national league, I mean, they've made a decision today that you know, which yes. you know, which we've all seen, and they've all decided. I mean, this is the national league itself. This is what the clubs have agreed. Okay, the, the basically PPG, which doesn't really change too many things. Um, not in the National League, because it just means the top six stay as they are. So it doesn't. But it's, don't forget, it's the top seven who got it's a yeah. two to seven. So Stockport have missed out on the playoffs. Thank um, you for saying, Kristen, what I was about to say. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, Kristen. Um, you know, as I, was, as, as I was going to say, the top six have stayed as they are. And Barnet have jumped four places on the back of PPG because they've played only 35 games. And the teams around them have played 37 and 39. The, the Wickham conundrum. So exactly, you see. And yeah, I did. I can't remember what it was on the weighted PPG, whether that would have made the difference, I don't know. But again, that is the problem. But anyway, we know that Barrow are going to be promoted. We know that. But they're only going to relegate one team at the National League, which creates the problem. Oh, yeah. How's that Because cre- uh, the problem is... 24th and last by any which way you want to calculate it is Chorley. So they'll go in the National League North. Now, from the National League North, National League South, one, they're just the champions, the team in first place, because you can't call them champions, will be promoted. Ah, okay. Yeah, but yeah. then it gets complicated again because <laughs> in the National League North, Kings Lynn have played two games fewer than York City and therefore have a better points per game. So they will come into the National League in place of Chorley. Fine, that makes it e- that's the easy part. The complicated part is the fact that there's now no club to go into the National League South to replace Wheelstone, who will get promoted. So what's going to happen? I foresee another shuffling round and Gloucester or Hereford being <laughs> yeah. shifted sideways. It's going to be a club in Birmingham, isn't it? They get shunted to... Yeah, so it's going to be a case of it's just so many ramifications, complications and confusions going on. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It was already going to be complicated, wasn't it? Because yeah. of the whole Bury yeah. situation. It was already yeah. so, a, a can of worms. And now this has just... I mean, they must be 
bald, the people that run the, the game down at that level, because they have pulled their hair out so many yeah. times. Yeah. yeah, but I have to admit, the one thing that has annoyed me time and again over the summer has been the way that a section of the footballing supporters community have got this thing in their head that these decisions at National League level are imposed on them by the FA. The FA being dictatorial, saying this is what happens, this is what happens. And you, you, everybody knows that in the National League level, the clubs decide, and the FA rubber stamps it. But yeah, you can't get people to understand this. Oh, the FA, the FA, you know, it's all wrong. The FA shouldn't have made this decision. And you try telling them. But the FA just said, if that's what you want, okay, fine. Yeah, they, they the, just rubber stamp it. Just rubber stamp it. Bump. If that's what you want, if that's what you clubs want and you leagues want, bump. That's it. Signed off. Off you go. But you, you just can't get people to understand it because it doesn't make sense to them. I mean, I, it, the, the thing I feel sorry, Rob, the, the thing I feel sorry for here is they're going to go through all this nightmare of organising this, of reshuffling this, of re, rebuilding this and, and all that. And we don't even know if they're going to have a season to play next season. Yeah. And well, this is true. They haven't even yet decided when the next season because, will, re- will start. Because just jumping back up to League Two, that's the big stumbling block, isn't it? I mean, we, mm. whoever it is, Stephen and Joe Macclesfield, the EFL, uh, Rick Parry, has said that they will only relegate them if the National League can give them a division to play in. And um, Because... Obviously, we're going to be without fans for yeah. probably the likelihood is very, very close to Christmas, probably the rest of this year before we get fans in grounds. Um, I know Spain are, are hoping to get some fans in grounds by Christmas and mm. full full stadiums by January, um, but they've handled it a hell of a lot better than we have. Um, and so, yeah, so if we, we've said before, haven't we, in the WhatsApp group, if... Mm. If the National League and and below don't start, well, League Two and League One have been cancelled because the clubs can't afford the 140 grand for testing and they can't afford to play games behind closed doors. So how are League Leagues One and Two going to start next season? So that that's another huge problem. Um, mm, I mean, I, I know, think I know a few a few clubs have been saying that, mm. um, like the FA, the PFA, the Premier League, they should have paid at least for the tests for that 140 grand because 46 games i mean this 140 grand for testing is per club for what 10 games 10 games they've got left that's yeah so how much is that over the course of a season you're talking what 700 grand three quarters of a million pounds just to test your players over the course of a whole season if it's needed for that long obviously i mean they're not going to be able to afford that there's championship clubs that aren't going to be able to afford that so True. how are these one and two going to start if the reason that they have finished this season early is still going to be there at the start of next mm. season, mm. it just they just can't, can they? They can't. How? No. how they, none no. of them can sign any players because none of them, the, the, all their players are on furlough. So that that was the big reason for them cancelling, wasn't it? Because they'd have to bring all their players and staff off furlough, and it would just it would wipe out dozens of clubs overnight, pretty much. So all these players are on furlough until October. But then what? You know, you, none of none of these clubs are going to be able to sign players because they don't know if they've got a season to start. And uh, I just, mm. why mm. did they need to even try and bring football back? Why? <laughs> it, I mean, I'm, can you guess by my tone? I'm not massively excited about it. I've been 
I've been watching the Bundesliga. I mean, my German team, Leverkusen, got to the cup final on Tuesday night. And we're going to play Bayern, so hooray. That's another silver medal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, La Liga starts tonight, as we record on Thursday, with the Seville derby, which is one of my favourite games in the world. It's amazing. But there's no fans there, so it ain't going to be the same. No. The Bundesliga's not the same without fans. True. You, know, you see, see clubs scoring last-minute goals, last-minute winners, getting a result in stoppage time. They don't celebrate. It's just a fist bump or touching elbows or whatever they do now. There's no joy mm. there. There's mm. no passion. There's no excitement there. They, they just It is pre-season friendlies with points at stake. It, it's it's <laughs> not football. It's... It, and I don't understand why everybody's in such a mad rush to get it back. It just, you know, when, when we don't, we're still getting dozens and dozens and hundreds of deaths a day. And yet we're bringing football back at the same time as Spain, who had it a hell of a lot worse than us, handled it a hell of a lot better, have maybe one death every two days now and a couple of dozen cases. Yeah. And yet where thousands of cases a day, hundreds of deaths a week. Uh... Ah, James. Ah, James. If you're interested in the politics of the situation, you would realise that Spain are cooking the figures. Well, everybody probably is. Yeah, but Spain Spain are cooking them more than most. But let's just let's not go into that. But to be honest, the whole reason that football is coming back is a very simple reason. We can all. It's basically it's basically it's the it's the green reason. And that's, and that's yet, the other thing as well. Why yeah. the hell do they need to show every single Premier League match? I mean, Jesus that's, Christ. That's the that's contract, though, James. Terrible. That's the contract, though. Yeah, and but, that's the problem that the Premier League have now got themselves in. They agreed this contract. They sold the soul of football for the Sky Sports money, uh, you know, and BT Sport money, of course. And now they are reaping what they've sown. In a situation like this, they're finding themselves being practically frog-marched into restarting the season under verbal you know, pressure from the paymasters. And this is why I think football you know, does need a fresh start, but it won't get one. And no, this many, is a perfect opportunity for it, it as well, is. isn't it? It won't happen. won't happen yeah. because people will just accept what they had before. And this is, you know it comes back to the point I was making earlier and it ties into a story that I saw during the week where because of the money that the clubs have got, because of the exposure on Sky Sports, players have been paid far more than the, the, the worth and the ability would give them. I mean, I, the, the news article I mentioned, I shared it with you, I shared it with you both. 1990, well, well 1994, I think it was 94-95, Chelsea signed Rude Hullet. Great player, and right. there was a lot of great players come into the Premier League at that time. And he has said, as far as he's concerned, in the Premier League, there's players with not a massive amount of ability being paid massive amounts that the ability doesn't warrant. And now this is the problem the Premier League have got to deal with. They have now got to basically you know, try and expect the players to be realistic about their wage demands. Some players will try it. And, you know, it'll be a case of clubs will say, well, we can't afford that. And should the, you, you would hope there would be a partial reset of the way, you know, the league has its values. Won't happen because, you know, football, and it's the prime example of a sport that basically sold itself for the money. Other sports have done it, you know, and now in a situation like this where 
you know, it's not exactly the best situation to be playing sports and it's going to be difficult to get them all back. I mean, the cricket season hasn't started yet. Normally, we're halfway through it. Normally, we should have yeah, been playing Yeah, they used like... to play in front of no fans. Well, that's only the county game. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is, now, the said the ECB, you know, the Premier League, because they've, you know, just were gone for the money, now they're under pressure to restart everything to fulfil those contractual re- requirements. This is what this is what sport has ended up with, and this is also why I think you know there needs to be a long hard think about what role you know the governing bodies of the individual sports should be doing, because at the minute all they're doing is basically nodding their heads to you know to the money and saying yes 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 instead of saying. Just hold on a minute here. Let's just let's just stop and look at this. The next Sky Sky TV contract will be somewhat different to the one they've just signed. Will, will it be for the best? God knows. I hope it is. But to go back to the original point, playing behind closed doors, I actually think it's be easier for basically, you know, step one the National League. And below that to restart, because we're not talking about as many in the ground, and it's just easier to separate them. I mean, say for an example, they work on a capacity of say fifteen percent. You know, so say for an example, you get a you know your ground has a capacity of three thousand. 15% 15% of 3,000, I mean, my, maths can't, my mental maths can't do it. Um, <laughs> it's about 150, I think. Yeah, so, yeah so, so you see what I mean? You could still get some fans in, you could still have some of an atmosphere, you would still get some money through the gate, but you wouldn't have a lot. And it would still, then you'd be able to see if it would work. I could see the non-league game being used as a test bed to see if you know clubs can effectively provide social distancing in a stadium environment. Good heavens. Speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> mm. And there was me. Th- there was me thinking I dazzled you all with an amazing point. Uh, my, my youngest just came into the bedroom. We just got up. Um, mm. Yeah, no, you do make some good points. So just going back to the to the next contract. I'm not. I. It will be a hell of a lot less, I think, and I'm I'm not 100 percent sure it'll be Sky that get it. To be honest, I, I mean, you know, we we've seen Amazon do a brilliant job um, of their games over Christmas. On a side note, I don't understand how they've got some of the, these remaining games. They 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 weren't sold anything, so I don't understand why they've got some games. Did they buy them? Um, but they've got more money than God, so. <laughs> But don't, you know, don't forget the B- BBC have got some games. Yeah, but that's the opposite yeah. the match of the day, I guess, isn't it? They, they haven't had yeah, much of the it's probably three, contractual. So they, they've given them mm. four shit games. Um, and just I might even... You could, we you might even have, sit you watch Norwich v Burnley or whatever whatever rubbish it is and yeah. that no one wants to watch, so why even bother? Why? Just why? Well, the thing <laughs> is, though, that's, that... that you, we, we, you say that, but that... It could be, in theory... The game comes back, so on Wednesday, that's the 17th next week, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So on Wednesday, let's say let's say let's say a scenario, which would be really good, would also mean that that Norwich game could be more important. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, that's I'm, lose on I, Wednesday I, to Arsenal. I, I, I could, on Sunday, that's season over. <laughs> yeah, I know, isn't it? That's, 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 that's it, that's the thing. Um, I mean, look, I was being facetious, I mean, you know, apologies to Norwich, but I support Huddersfield Town, we're one of the worst Premier League clubs of all time. So, um, you know, I, I, I know what I'm talking about there, but I just, this this is the thing, I don't, they just don't need to show everything. I mean, put it on the red button, put it on the street, you just, it doesn't need to be on the main channels the whole time it's just oh it, i mean i started watching the german cup semi-finals on tuesday and from then until well it seems like the end of time there's football on every goddamn day it's just ah oh, it's just too much and i mean mm. you know you've got Serie A starting next weekend you've got the championship you've got the premier league la liga as we said starts tonight as we're recording this uh, it's yeah oh, it's yeah i'm 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 Certainly not going to be watching it all, he says, mm. knowing that he will watch it all. Uh, <laughs> well, I've, I've not. I've, I've deliberately because I'm not invested, and this is this is actually the thing. Yeah, that's well, my the, curse. The B, I pick, the B I but you're not invested in most of it, and without the fans there to make it sound important. You're just watching right. you guys kick around the game really mm. slowly, not really interested. A lot of shouting, which is interesting from a point of view, hearing them shout to each other and sh- and hearing the shouts from the sidelines. And then that's really all you're watching. So it's like going to watch a behind-closed-doors youth team game where you're watching them play and there's no crowd, there's no atmosphere. And that's the big thing for me. And that's that's why it has all come down to money. Um, the Bundesliga have just tried to show their exposure. They've tried to increase their exposure yeah. around the world to make theirs a more seen because German football at an international level is seen as very workmanlike and not flary. And then at the Bundesliga, most people aren't really interested in it. Well, and and you, again, you know, as you mentioned there with the, with the Premier League, within what two or three rounds of fixtures, the title race is done. Because Bayern went and won at Dortmund, so they did all interesters from a neutral point of view has it's gone out of it, hasn't it? Um, mm, mm. Uh, but you, going back to to the um, no fancying, have you have you watched the game in the last uh, round of fixtures where where they had the the, the crowd noise on BT? Have, have, have you watched one of those? Um, just it's it was it was quite good when you couldn't see the stands. And then all of a sudden it kind of goes a bit wider and you, and you see there's nobody in the stand, but you can hear the fans. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah it's, mm. uh, yeah, it's a bit like looking at a 3D uh, film without 3D glasses on. It just kind of, it's a bit jarring, you know. Um, and I think in La Liga, mm. I think, they, I think they're going to see Jai in the crowds, I think I heard, which is just mm. mental. Uh, the best thing I've seen, and it's just basic, is the uh, the cardboard cutouts in uh, not the sex dolls. The mm. cardboard cutouts of Gladbach. <laughs> and, Weren't uh, they selling those for like twenty euros each? Yeah, but which I thought I thought no, I think that's a really good. clever, a really and, clever idea of making mm. some money. Out yeah, of and and Brighton have done it, um, and I think I think I think Brighton have done it, but it's basically 
all the money they raise, I think, goes to charity. I think. I could be wrong on that, or a good proportion of it. Mm. And, um, I know you said, haven't you, Rob, that you, you wanted to focus on what clubs have been doing in the communities over this period mm. of time. Yeah, so yeah. I that off, off air a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that, that they've been doing, haven't they, where they're doing good things. And I know um, I can't think of clubs by name, but there's a lot of clubs that have said to fans that, look, if you let us keep the money... Cologne are one in Germany. If if you let us keep your season ticket money, we will put that into grassroots football in the community, which is fantastic. Absolutely, mm. it's like look, you can have it back, not a problem at all. Guilt, you know, it's your money at the end of the day. Mm. You can have it, not a problem. If you choose to let us keep it, we're not mm. going to keep it. We're going to give it to clubs that need it. Uh, you know, and grassroots mm. football. That is that's fantastic. Um, you know, obviously we've had loads of players ringing fans and ringing the elderly that are shielding and on their own. So you've, you know, you've had the big, the big players from all the clubs ringing, ringing their elderly fans, which is great, and going out in the community and doing the food shopping for for their elderly fans mm. and vulnerable community mm. members. And it's it has it's been absolutely brilliant. Every time you see one of these stories, it it does just gives you a nice little little warm feeling that yes. They might be detached from the rest of us, you know. They might live in their ivory towers in a gated community on millions of pounds a year, but at the end of the day, they are human beings. They have families. They have elderly relatives. They have vulnerable people. They have partners who are pregnant or, you know, have underlying health issues. So they understand the bigger picture. And it's, it, you know, it takes something this tragic and it's horrible, mm-hmm. but it does show you that it's not all bad, and they're not they're not completely isolated and detached from from the real world so yeah it's 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 good to see from that respect but as i say it's a shame that it's something like this that's had to bring it out it would be nice actually james if you know when we get back into a more normal way of life if the club's concerned could continue doing such things yeah and um, look they do don't be great they they all have community projects they all go and visit Mm. kids in hospital and things like that but yeah yeah I mean, it would. Be, I mean, I'm proud of, of again, Michael Huddersfield. They they've always done stuff in the community. They've always done things like this, going into schools and and helping mm. out. And but yes, we everybody can always do more. And it would be fantastic. I mean, if you're going training from ten o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the afternoon, there's no reason why you haven't got a couple of hours there to after that to you know go and go and see someone who's who can't come to games anymore. But because the yeah. You know, they're, they're housebound for whatever reason, or they're ill, or mm. you know, yeah. they just don't feel safe there anymore, or whatever. You know, mm. for, in light of things that have been going on, you know, it's yeah. And I think I, I think clubs do do that. I think it's just been highlighted more because there's been no nothing going on on the pitch. So it, you know, it, it naturally will will be in the spotlight a little bit more the stuff that goes on off the pitch. But yeah, mm. every club can do more. Every player can do more every fan can do more so yeah it, it would be yeah. fantastic to see this sort of spirit fostered going forward and yeah hopefully hopefully fingers crossed it will be because football gets a bad rap footballers yeah. you know i mean that hancock picked on them at the very very start of this whole thing didn't he saying they need to take a pay cut and you know footballers get such a bad rep and it, yeah if, if this yeah. helps build a bit of a build a bit of a bridge that 
you know, back in the day, you used to be able to meet them in the pub, and in, that's why non-league football so good, isn't it? Because you can meet the manager and the players in the pub after the, in the bar after the game. <laughs> you used to be able to do that back in the day, and yeah, now now you just see them leaving in their armour-plated, bulletproof glass mm. Bentley, and if this just helps to break down a few barriers, then you know something. Well, Mo, Mo Salah did pay for everybody in Saint who was at Sainsbury's pumps. Yeah, uh, and this week because Bal- he Balotelli did something up. similar, didn't he, when he was at Man City? Bal- yeah. oh, I think he was at Man mm. City at the time. But he's, you know, and he, some of my favourite stories are about Balotelli, and not not the obvious ones. You know, there was mm. one time when at training with City, he saw a, a school kid on a school day. Um, so like watching training through the fences and he went and talked to him and the kid did, was scared to go to school because he was getting bullied so Balotelli took him in his Maserati or whatever flash sports car he had, took him to school in it took you know, took mm. him back to school and, and I think confronted the bullies and said don't mess with my mate and well you know that kid was suddenly the coolest kid in the in the school <laughs> you know, so that sort of, you know but when you think of Balotelli you don't think of that you think of the yeah. ice statues and the fireworks in the bathroom you don't think and, of the, and the, nut- the nuttiness on the pitch as well yeah <laughs> you know but you know and but he is he's a he's a trouble soul i mean he he's got he went back to his hometown club uh brescia and his club owner has made some horrific comments about him and we said we weren't going to talk about that sort of thing and we're not but you know he's gone back to his hometown club and it's turning into a nightmare for him it's you know it he, he just mm. it yeah, why always him? It does. It does follow him. You know, a lot of it is his own making. But footballers are human mm-hmm. at the end. Of the Indeed. Indeed, and one of the one of the things that has sort of you know pleased me is a number of clubs that are actually you know doing things like, say, for an example, uh, contributing to food banks and things like that. Because if you think about it, a lot of the clubs in you know Premier League, League One, and Championship and League One. Well, not so much League One, but definitely the Championship, the Premier League. They could basically, you know, take the petty cash and support a food bank for a month. Yeah. You know, it's a case of that's the kind of thing where it makes a real difference to people. People may not necessarily, you know, remember what this player did, that player did. But they do remember when they dip into their pockets and contribute, again, to like food banks, you know, when they contribute to, you know, charities that, you know, supporting, you know, f- say families and, you know, older people and things like that, because as you've quite rightly said, James, they're human. They do have a heart. It's just a case of, you know, finding that little trigger that, you know, gets them going and gives them the incentive and the drive to want to make a difference. Once, you know, once that trigger's hit, you know, anything can happen. And it's, you know, it's sad to say that it's taken a worldwide crisis like this to actually start some some players remembering that yeah they're very fortunate they're very lucky and you know it doesn't hurt to give something back because in the end you know the old saying goes you know you, what you give is what you get you give it and you'll get a lot more back absolutely absolutely I mean we've we've done what an hour now and we're not even talking Could about yeah. We've not even talked about like Lyle Taylor, which I'm guessing we would have talked about last week if we'd recorded. And yeah, there's, mm. there's still. I mean, we said it's going to be a long subject, wasn't it? It's taken the whole podcast, <laughs> the whole episode <laughs> has been about this. Yeah, of where we go from here. It's, yeah, um, there's still a, still so much to to sort out, and um, 
you know, and we're going to be back on the pitch before everything's sorted out off it. It's still, mm. it just doesn't sit right. But no. I've, I've got about 45 minutes until that Seville derby kicks off. So um, I think I, I, I'm, I'm more excited about La Liga coming back than I am about any other league. I'll be and I include the championship in that. Um, I love La Liga, so I'm, I'm really, really happy for that to be coming back. So mainly because I get to see Leo Messi again at the weekend, which you know is all good. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's that, so I'm not really like you say. It's, it's more functional because it's still it. It's going to be football back, but it's not going to be football as we know it back. Right. So and we, that's we know, the issue. We know you're a, a Liverpool fan, Chris, and we 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 talked a bit off air before Rob joined the call about you know it's you know you're finally going to get to see the uh, the league title lifted. Um, but as you said, it could be at the weekend. It, yeah. it could be it could be one well, game in and it's done. But, um, but it's not even that. It's for, for me, that's it's just the relief that okay, that's over and done. It can just play the kids for the rest of the game, and we can see who's going to go. We know there's going to be a few people clear out. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Because the, the season's over for you then, because yeah. obviously you're out of the Champions League, um, and that that's it. So yeah, you can maybe play the next generation. Um, which I noticed in they've they've had a friendly today and they've played a lot of the kids uh, like in like in preseason and so I expect to see some of those breaking through into at least the bench over the next yeah. few weeks. But I'm, what I'm... I mean is that it's not the game itself. Let's forget about the the stadium because there's very few of us. If you go to uh, if you think of like Barcelona and the Premier League, there's very few times you can actually get to the stadium because a lot of them, even the lower level lower teams, are sold out. So you can't get to the stadium. So the atmosphere of seeing it on there, but going to the pub and watching it with your mates, or talking about something and trying, and everybody's talking about it, and you suddenly feel that more of a kin to everything. That's not going to happen still. So we're going to get pundits talking about stuff, like when, like when I watch, um, <laughs> like when I watch ESPN. The pundits over in the states talking about stuff happening in uh, La Liga or the Bundesliga. They're over in the states. They're not even here. They're not talking to the players. They're not actually involved in the game over here, and so it always well, feels a little bit more false. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas, like it because Shaka Hislop's one of them. Yeah, right? you know, I was like, just about to say how good. I'll is you a little bit now. How how good is Shaka Hislop? He is a really good pundit. I listened to. Um, well, I haven't done for ages, actually. Uh, the ESPN FC podcast, and yeah. he's he's on that most days, and he is superb because he just he, he does he gives zero, doesn't he? At the end of the day, he he just he's got his opinion, and it's coming out whether it's whether you want it to or not. I, yeah, I love him. Mm. Brilliant. What a great pundit he is. Mm. Um, there's a yeah, we've got a few younger. You know, I mean, obviously the likes of Graham Souness and that are, are still around, but some of the younger ones coming. Micka Richards is a fantastic pundit on the BBC, and um, does he do Sky a little bit as well? I think um, because he's 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 still close enough. I don't. I think he is he still playing. He's he's, he's early thirties. I'm not sure if he's retired like or not. It's as well. It's that because they're so young, they you, they've played against some of those players around the yeah. Board. Mm. But, they, mm. but their opinion, their opinions is arguably more relevant because they're yeah. more yeah, okay. recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mika Richards is just joyful. He's just, his his laugh is amazing. He just lifts you when 
and he mm. but he's a fantastic speaker as well and you, you've got you've got loads of great young pundits coming through um at, which which obviously you need it's same as on a team isn't it you need the the young blood coming through to to take over but have, have you missed football have you have you missed it in the three months that it's that it's been gone I've missed this. This is what I was trying to say. I've missed more you've, you've of the social. The socials. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've said that. You yeah, I've you? I've said many times. It's not so much the action I miss. It's the people. You know, the people. The people I'm. You know, I work with alongside the work. People I work alongside with at Hampton. The yeah, people see, that I, you, people that I have a you know people I have a drink with before the game, after the game, and so on. It's more the people than the action. You know, to me the action generates the social side of it you know yeah yeah the game's there but the game is you know it's the social aspect of it that's more missed i think than the actual yeah you know, action action across the white line i think i think that would be the the blanket opinion i think uh, for from a match going fan or fans mm. that, that do as you say chris and like yourself meet up with friends in the pub that that would be the, the overarching thing, I think, I think it's a mm. social thing. Mm. For, for me, mm. you know, I've, I've got three kids at home. I have to be up early for work and things like that. So, and I can't afford to go to games at the minute. So I don't, and I've got three kids that just aren't interested in football. So I don't go to games. I am an armchair fan at the minute, to my shame. Um, so, but I haven't, haven't missed it. Uh, but that's probably because I don't, I personally at the minute, don't have that, that social aspect of it. Um mm. I guess. I mean, if I, if I was still coming over to Hampton, like what I used to do with Callum when he was younger and, um, you know, coming home and away, well, most away games, not all. Yeah, they, they, I would. I probably would have missed it then. Um, but not so much now. And I'm, yeah. yeah, as I said earlier, I'm not that excited about it coming back. But I am looking at the clock and thinking, yeah, 40 minutes to go till kick-off in the Seville Derby. <laughs> Kristen, I think somebody's <laughs> dropping a hint here. <laughs> well, I was, it, is, it is 57 minutes on the clock. That's the real clock, not not your uh, football clock. Uh, so, yeah. Fergie time, Mummy. Fergie time. <laughs> you can probably, if you've got 40 minutes, you can probably get a couple of games in and uh, the football manager, James. Good, you're right. I've, um, funnily enough, I've got a, got a little save going on where um, I'm, at, I'm at Bristol City at the minute. I, I started out at Hearts in Scotland and I left after 14 games because it was rubbish. Then um, I took the Bristol City job. They were second bottom when I took over. We finished third, um, lost in the playoff. I got absolutely hammered in the playoff final by Reading. And then the, the second season with them, I've just won the championship title. So <laughs> absolutely mm, fine enough. Yeah, I might just uh, might just um, finish the season and uh, and start off with the uh, with the pre-season as we head to the Premier League. <laughs> Little tip: if anybody is playing in the championship early on in the game, if you can get Grady Dean Garner on loan. My God, that kid just rips through the division. He is unbelievable. What a player. Going to have to um, pay attention to him in real life. He's, he's at West Ham. I think he's on loan at West Brom at the minute. But he's a West Ham player. Um, young English. Uh, left foot and right winger. You know how the fashion is these days to play on the wrong wing. Um, but wow. If he's half as good in real life as he is in FN, he is some player. And he'll be in the Euros, I think. He's <laughs> And so, Rob, we can uh, so you can always follow James at Games with James FM on Twitter, uh, and over on YouTube if you do a search like that on uh, YouTube, you'll be able to find him as well. Uh, and Rob, uh, it's still have you dusted up? You've dusted off the blog recently, haven't you? Yes, I did do a few times. I've done, I think I've done about three or four, possibly articles 
in the last two or three months. Usually when something's just gone and got me the ranty switch on. There has been, and um, you know, I managed to annoy a few people. Um, I think I even managed to annoy a South Shields supporter by saying, you know, about his club throwing the, the more the money that they did at um, at, our, at uh, solicitors and barristers and things like that to try and force the promotion into the National League. I managed to offend a few people like that, but yeah, the blog's been open. Um, I've got a few things in mind for the next rest of the week. And, you know, without the football, that's pretty much all it is. Um, one thing I would recommend is if you can find a fanzine, find a fanzine and beat it. It's the best thing you'll get to football until you get action on the TV. So, you know, still going, still looking forward to whatever season comes up next with that. And so you can always follow the show at so We Go Again podcast on Twitter and also WeGoAgain.com. Um, and over there on Facebook at We Go Again podcast. But whatever you're doing, I thank you for listening.